Welcome to Retirement Insights, a podcast by InFocus Financial Advisors Incorporated, providing retirement advice, strategies, and insights to the soon-to-be-retired, newly retired, and retirees of all ages. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 16 of our Retirement Insights podcast with InFocus Financial Advisors. I'm here this morning with our Vice President, Robert Jeter. Uh, my name is Eric Johnson. I'm President and fun- a Financial Advisor at InFocus Financial Advisors. And we put these podcasts together uh, just to give some timely topics, some useful advice, uh, things that people can use uh, to increase their probabilities of success in retirement. Now, that's our whole focus. We transition people into retirement. Uh, we have a checklist we take you through to make sure we uh, believe you've covered all the bases you need to cover. And each one of these podcasts brings up a, a different topic that relates to your success. Uh, we are squarely uh, focused. We put retirement in focus uh, for our clients. So today we have it's it's a pretty an optimistic topic. Really, I'm pretty thrilled to be covering it. Uh, we found for a long time uh, that uh, socially responsible investing just wasn't a good option for our clients. It was it was it was just difficult to find cost effective, you know, low cost investments, uh, investments that aligned with uh, people's personal beliefs. Uh, you just didn't know, you know, which methodology you were getting, but we're covering what's called ESG investing. And we're going to go through what that means. And uh, ESG is environmental, social and governance focus. Uh, on your investment selection, uh, and we're going to cover some different aspects to it. You know, the big picture is, is, is this an effective way to invest? And if it is, why not do it? And uh, we've taken it upon ourselves to add it to our portfolios. We have an option for this. And how's it done? So today, Robert and I are going to cover some of these topics. And, you know, first off, uh, Robert, lay out for us ESG. You know, it's a Kind of a uh, what a popular term now, environmental, social, and governance. Uh, but wow, it has some real impact to uh, may have some impact to the world. Heck, we reduced carbon emissions over the last ten mm-hmm. or fifteen years by acting. Uh, maybe this can have a great impact too. Uh, lay it out for us. What is ESG? Sure, absolutely. So it's hard to believe we're already at episode sixteen, um, and it's good to be back. And uh, like like you said, ESG investing. Uh, like a lot of uh, other trends um, in the investment world have been around for a while, but it's taken some time to mature. It's taken some time uh, for investment companies and people who create uh, indices and investment tools uh, to get it to kind of maturity uh, and to get it to a point where uh, sort of the everyday investor can access it and not jeopardize substantial performance or pay a, a very high cost. And right. that's, Historically, the performance was wildly different than the right. S&P. You were actually taking it on the chin if you invested with your conscience. Right. Yeah, yeah 100%. It's a challenge. And today, I think... Um, Again, it's come more to the forefront, you know, as a social priority, uh, but it's also with technology and um, with a lot of research, you know, again, has has made more accessible tools for people to align uh, their dollars with, with certain beliefs. So uh, what we're going to go through today is just what exactly is ESG outside of the uh, the title, uh, how we implement it, uh, and, and how it really sort of works uh, in practice. So uh, first and foremost, uh, as Eric said, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, 
and a governance focus uh, on investment selection. So uh, breaking that down, uh, ESG is really a way to sort investments uh, on those three categories. So first, we'll start with the the E. You know, you, you hear the term environmental. Uh, naturally, you start thinking uh, sustainability, uh, and that's exactly what it is. So uh, the interesting thing about environmental focus. And the question over the years has been is how do you measure a company with environmental focus? You know, what are the the things that they're doing um, that potentially help uh, the environment? Does that mean their employees do volunteer work? Does that mean that their buildings uh, are sustainable? You know, that they have, um, you know, a, a sustainable structure in terms of its, its engineering? Uh, does their manufacturing process emit a ton of carbon? And the answer is uh, it can be all of those things. Uh, there are different uh, indices uh, and different tools that may measure or score those um, uh, differently. So as an example, and we, we've gone through a number of these uh, sort of indices and how they, they compute a focus uh, on, uh, I'm using air quotes here, environmental uh, focus. And as an example, um, uh, one is a carbon efficiency score. So they actually go through, uh, there's a team of analysts who go and look at these companies and they, and they look uh, at the uh, impact of the size of their buildings. They look at the impact of their manufacturing process um, and how much really uh, carbon they're emitting, CO2, uh, that they emit into the atmosphere. And basically, when you invest uh, in this company's uh, product or use their their index, uh, instead of just say um, investing on companies by how big they are, which is pretty pretty typical, uh, you'll actually get a better weighting based on uh, how much they impact uh, the environment. You know how much CO two uh, they're emitting. So all of a sudden, your your investments can be reweighted um, by how sustainable uh, they are. Uh, the same thing, there's another method uh, that's called carbon pricing. Uh, so in certain countries, not necessarily in the U.S., there's a tax uh, for emitting um, CO2 into the atmosphere. This is uh, more internationally. Uh, obviously, that affects their earnings. So they look at how much tax they pay uh, in terms of uh, emitting CO2, and they'll uh, they'll focus the investments and reweight the investments based on that. And then the last example I have uh, is they will look at uh, something like the Paris uh, Climate Accord that was passed several years ago that uh, many countries signed. Uh, and they'll look at companies that most align with uh, those targets and, and sort of the focus, um, not necessarily from a country perspective, but how each individual company uh, has changed their behavior to try uh, and align with with those things. And there's a real push for this in, in the industries, and it's taken some time to really get implemented and executed, but a, a building's lead score. I mean, engineers and architects Great are, example. are familiar with uh, lead certification. There are buildings in Dallas that I've visited uh, looking at real estate uh, partnerships, uh, where you could literally eat off their boiler room floor. Uh, it is highly polished. I mean, the whole boiler room is, uh, it looks like it's brand new, yet the building's been there for 12 years. And their, their economic, or not economic, their carbon impact on that area is incredibly low. So, you know, these are trends and they're coming to fruition. Uh, where does it take us when uh, we, so we have the E, you know, the E is fairly 
fairly evident. Yeah, know? fairly simple, right? Then we start walking down this S&G path where uh, yeah. social and governance, boy, you can really get almost political on these things, and we're going to avoid that. But what just basically is the fundamentals of social and governance impact? Yeah, so you, I always separate out the E because I think that's a little easier to define. Most people can relate to those sort of things. It's kind of just been a trend Very straightforward. In, in corporate America. You know, as we go through toilets, use less water to flush, you know, so forth and, and so on. But uh, as you said, the social and governance side uh, can be a little more, call it political, can be a little bit more biased depending on, um, you know, how you, how you look at it. But some good examples uh, of social and governance uh, would be um, categorizing companies by how much they prioritize pay equity. You know, so do these companies have programs, procedures in place? And these are, remember, these are large companies that have thousands of employees, you know, that have a program that look at pay discrimination between sexes, between races, and to try and eliminate any sort of gap there. Uh, this can go towards uh, the C-suite or the boardroom. So if you look at a certain company's board of directors, uh, how diverse is that board of, of directors? You know, do they have uh, an equal ratio of male to female? you know, um, from different different races, different backgrounds. Uh, and companies that have that, in general, when it comes to constructing these investment tools and these indices, the more diversity that you have, generally the higher score uh, that you will get. So this can be factored in. Remember, ESG is one big acronym. Depending on uh, how you're looking at it, this can be combined with uh, the environmental uh, score. So again, this, the, and that's kind of, that's from a, a high level, the social and governance. This can be drilled down, um, to specifically the boardroom. It can be specifically to, um, policies and programs in place on eliminating discrepancies in, in compensation, uh, and hiring. Um, there's a lot of different ways that this can, can be done. And again, when people think about social, uh, and governance, priorities. Again, I think everybody thinks about this potentially a little bit differently. And as you said, it can get uh, a little apolitical. But when I think about um, from an investment standpoint, the social and governance issue, I think the prevailing theme uh, is equality and diversity. Yeah, I think too that you can take it. So that's uh, th those exactly what it should be. And how great is that? It's not the old boys network anymore. It's minorities, women, uh, you know, for, you know, for uh, lots of great reasons. Uh, Warren Buffett said, I think, wow, we've not been, by not having more women in the marketplace, we've only been using 50% of our resources in right. America. Like, right. what, a, what a great statement. Uh, but you can take it outside the boardroom too. So there's, um, you know, social and governance, just uh, companies that produce and make low sugar foods. You know, um, they're using seasoning in their foods instead of that's a great example. Instead too. of high sugar, and fancy that they're they're seasoning their food uh, um, probably more strongly. But a low sugar foods is good for the diet. Uh, plant based food. Who knew? But I didn't know. Plant based food as uh, it's much more re resource efficient. It uses less land, has less carbon emissions uh, to produce uh, than all of the uh, 
you know, meat-based, basically. And, I mean, who knew? And, of course, plant-based food has a lot less of uh, the fat uh, that we uh, don't need, but we know that tastes so good. Um, you know, but uh, so there's a focus on that. Uh, so outside of the boardroom, again, financial inclusion and security, you know, by um, companies that provide more loans or banks that provide more loans or offerings for a greater diverse group is going to make a region or that city's uh, financial strength better. If you're kind of raising everybody up by their bootstraps instead of just the select few that meet all of the you know, the demands of, you know, a bank scrutiny, um, you know, that, that can, so there's just ton that we could go on and on about with the examples of, you know, how this ESG is affected, uh, you know, doc, like not allowed to, I'm not allowed to say, I'm not allowed to document uh, specific doc, companies. documents are done uh, paperlessly now. Sure. Um, uh, so, you know, that saves a ton of paper, saves a ton of trees. Um, right. Uh, so some some industries are better than that than others, I will admit. Uh, just tons of examples. So these are good things. And, you know, if we can get some money behind this and align our beliefs, uh, we think this is a good thing. You know, socially responsible. Now, the challenge is what? The challenge becomes, you know, how does it work in practice? Right. Because, you know, if I tell somebody that uh, the S&P 500 index, you know, did – 15% return over the last five years sure. and ESG fund only did six. Um, you know, that's not really all of a sudden that's irresponsible of me to not be getting the returns that people need, not sure. want people need these returns to stay retired. Sure. They got to get the returns that the market will provide. So how does this work in practice, Robert? What, 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 why do we, why do people invest in it? And you know, what's, what, what's, how are we doing it? What's, how are we making this happen? So to be clear, you know, people are investing in ESG funds instead of, say, you know, just the, the S&P 500. You know, if you can have uh, an alternative uh, to align their dollars, you know, with their beliefs and, and sort of social uh, priorities, you know, which is a great, great form of kind of shareholder activism. And in this country, you know, uh, that we have capitalism, you're allowed to invest in, in companies and you're kind of uh, speaking with your, your dollars. And it, it really is a, a great part, um, you know, of, of being in the United States. Now, that said, so well, we, we've talked let, about- Let me interject there. So we're aligning our beliefs. Are we? How do we know that these companies are – how do we know that this uh, low-sugar company is not also have a division that sells guns or – you know, we just have to rely on that, folks. You know, these sure. the scoring and the it matters who does who puts the security together. You know, which company 100%. and uh, that takes research on our end. That takes you know that's where an advisor can add value to folks because you could just go buy the X Y Z sustainability ESG fund, and you have really no idea if you're yeah. uh, if you're get what you're getting because some of these out there are just gimmicks. You know, you slap ESG on a name of a mutual fund and people. People are going to buy it. Yeah. Right. So, how can we be sure? So. At the end of the day, can't be 110% sure on these things, but why not make the effort? Is our kind of our bent on this? Well, I think it's a really good point. You know, you can look through the list, and, and there's a lot of different offerings, you know, of, of ESG funds. And uh, for those of you who are interested in this, you may go through some and you may look at the companies in that portfolio and say to yourself, 
I don't think that that would fit in my own personal ESG filter, not the way I think about it. So you may, point being is you may be a little surprised with some of the results that you're getting. The actual construction and how these um, fund companies and index providers think about ESG is extremely important. And that's something that we vet. It matters. They're the gatekeeper. Absolutely. They're making the decision on what should be in the portfolio and what should not be. So that matters. Walk us through that. What are the investment tools? You yep. know, how is that? So one of the more popular um, funds that's out there that's an alternative to the S and P five hundred. I'm not going. I can't say the the ticker or the specific name, but a, a good example of how they construct their index is basically the immediate filter is to remove any coal companies, any tobacco companies, or any weapons manufacturers. So controversial, controversial weapons. weapons manufacturers. And so basically what you're doing is you're throwing those companies out right off the bat, you know, so out of the, the S and P 500 and that may, that's be, an exclusionary method. Correct. That may be five to 10%, you know, of that index. And then using uh, a, it's usually a proprietary score uh, that the specific fund company will have. They'll take those factors, some of which we mentioned up uh, in the top half of the the podcast, uh, environmental focus, social and governance focus, and they'll score them, you know, and then they'll reweight uh, the index or the company weighting uh, based on how well those companies score. And really, what you end up with is if you look at something like the S and P five hundred, which just ranks the five hundred largest uh, companies in the United States, uh, is you basically end up with three hundred to three hundred and fifty companies, and you'll get them in a different order as far as their weighting uh, based on that score and the removal uh, of those those types of of companies. And then all of a sudden, you now have a uh, quote unquote uh, ESG index uh, based off of the the S and P five hundred, and that's a great example. Um, so there's a few few different methods, and there so there's an exclusionary method. I think this is a good way of you could probably hash these out in just about any way you wanted. Sure, right? uh, but three. Uh, one company broke them down pretty nicely is that there's an, this exclusionary method. It says no tobacco, no controversial weapons, uh, no coal companies. Uh, that's exclusionary. So that's one type. Uh, there, on the other end of that is just impact based. So there's one saying, hey, we're not going to invest in these types of companies. And then there are other investments uh, that are your options, NESG options uh, that are impact based. So they're looking for the ones that are reducing uh, paper usage. They're looking for the ones that are providing healthy uh, products for their consumers. They're looking for the ones that promote diversity in the boardroom, diversity in the uh, the communities and the rest. So that's an impact base. So we have exclusionary and says we're not going to do these companies, which could leave a lot in there that you don't want. Uh, then there's impact base kind of on the other end of the spectrum. And then there's always that happy medium that does both. Sure. There's the ones that eliminate uh, coal, tobacco, and controversial weapons, uh, but are also have a you know a swath in their portfolio that is really impact driven. So that's the investment tools, and you know this can be a mutual fund, it can be an ETF. Sure. Um, uh, you know, picking them yourselves uh, would be a, a massive challenge and research uh, challenge, of course. But so we get these sets of portfolios, we get these sets of stocks. They're inside the fund, the inside the ETF. Uh, what kind of risks do we take? You know, um, you know, there's um, could be a big difference in performance. Uh, could be it just hey, this isn't really. You might find companies in there that don't match uh, your tastes, your beliefs. Hundred uh, percent. What risks are we taking? Does this infect 
affect our investment results? What did we find there? So what's been fascinating, and when you look at some of the largest uh, funds, and those are generally the ones that have been around uh, the longest, when you compare them to a more traditional fund, just as an example, something that you know tracks a parent index like the S&P 500, uh, you know, a popular benchmark, you don't really lose a lot or you haven't lost a lot uh, since these products have really become mainstream. You don't get what we uh, in the investment world call tracking error, uh, which is a large divergence. Um, When you only have, say, 300 out of the 500 companies, there's a real risk that uh, your performance may diverge um, if you only have a limited set of, of those companies. And it can be. And historically, oftentimes, it was significantly different. 100%. And usually to your detriment to narrow the focus, to, to eliminate stocks based on environmental, social, and governance reasons. Uh, and also, because it demands so much research, they were costly funds. They might cost 2 2.5% internal costs. Sure. Uh, so, you know, the, we finally have kind of gotten through a lot of those hurdles, which is nice to say. Uh, so is this something I can do in all my investments for every security I hold or, you know, what do we, where do we see the exact use right now? So what's kind of interesting is that the, while the market is becoming more mature, you really only see, uh, the products that I would call liquid and have enough assets to invest in to really be in sort of the larger mainstream asset classes. When you think about large cap U.S. stocks, um, you know, the, there's a lot of money going there. People, people like the, uh, the filter. Uh, there's a lot of liquidity. It's, it's very easily traded. Uh, the risk is a little bit lower. There's scorings there for those companies. That's right. They're so heavily researched. They're That's so right. heavily tracked that they have scoring. They have the ability to provide a score. 100%. Yeah, a smaller mid-sized company, not so much. Even in general, when you th- the smaller the company gets, the less research, the less an- analyst following there is, uh, the, the more risk there is potentially in investing in those. So, to get a the less ESG, transparent they are too. Hundred percent can't tell what exactly what they're doing or how they're spending their money. Hundred yeah. percent. So to get an ESG score on on those type of companies, we're starting to get products that are there yet. Are they ready for um, uh, the, the main stage? Maybe soon. Um, so we do have it in some asset classes, you know, in the portfolios that uh, that we run, you know, that that have an ESG focus. We have them in some of those those asset classes. But it's important to say, uh, you know, we have a focus on continuing research in this area, and we're looking at the other asset classes. We're looking at the track record. We're looking to see how well uh, they've worked. Yeah, actively searching for a solution. Hundred percent. Right? You know, you have to you have to um, keep a focus on these areas. You know, if this really ends up being an area where uh, the investments work better, you know, that uh, the market's rewarding companies that prioritize this, well, that's a wave you may want to to ride. You know, it can be a factor uh, that's successful investing over the long term, just like anything else. Now, it's also worth saying uh, the other side of the argument of ESG, the, the potential risk, is that you are excluding potentially or lowering a weight to certain companies. Uh, if there's a large uh, oil uh, or gas price increase, uh, energy companies may benefit, you know, and eliminating those from your portfolio may mean that you underperform. The same as uh, potentially if we go to war and, and those companies um, tend to, to outperform. Now, again, this is more hypothesizing, but excluding companies or underweighting certain companies uh, may have impacts to your portfolio for better uh, or potentially for worse. So when you, when you, I- 
Go ahead. As always, we're always basing this on history. 100%. And there's no certainty that this is going to repeat. Uh, so lately, and the method of the methodology of implementing a environmental social governance strategy hasn't caused great divergence has not in performance has not lately. Uh, so that's you know the last twenty years. It doesn't mean the next twenty years that it might diverge. As you said, if we go to war, if something you know, if energy companies you know just tear it up and you know have the highest right. returns uh esg can be two three five seven percent behind annual returns so you so there there's some risk to this that we have to be cognizant of and careful of and you know make sure we have um strategies and processes in place to to stay on top of that and that goes for any investment of course you know just because something always looks good in the rearview mirror you don't get that large uh tracking error does not mean uh, it can't occur moving forward. However, for folks who are uh, want to align their portfolios with their beliefs, this is a wonderful solution. You know, there are opportunities to incorporate this into your portfolio. Uh, historically, lately, it has not jeopardized significant amount of performance compared to their um, uh, similar investment brethren. Um, but moving forward again, we'll we'll see how that works out. So for clients. For individuals who are listening to this who aren't clients, um, we do have a solution for this. You know, we'll be happy to talk to you uh, more about it, and we'll continue to uh, focus on this moving forward as it continues to develop. I like them. You know, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, uh, align your personal beliefs with your investments. I mean, who knew we would get to this point where we could, or even be close? Honestly, it's just, a, just another option I to mean, customize it. Why not try to make this happen? So, so sure. we are. So um, if you have any more questions on this or uh, would like to see a portfolio of how we do this, uh, please call us. Set up a time. If cl Again, clients, of course, we're eager to walk you through it, uh, make you aware of it. Uh, if you're not a client, uh, the first hour is complimentary. We're glad to walk you through how we're doing this, too. Uh, that's always uh, an hour with us is always a great use of time, you know, especially if you're nearing or in retirement. Um I think we I think we hit on all the aspects. You know, we know what it is now. You know, the environmental social governance. We know it's good for the community. Uh, does it work in practice? The answer is yes. Yeah. It's not yes exclamation point. Yeah. It's yes period. Yeah. You know, it's yes. It does. Lately, it does. And uh, as advisors with serious work, we have to be careful and monitor them. And part of our research, our weekly research process, is part of that. Uh, we do have solutions for this. So let us know if you have any other questions. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks. Thanks again. Have a great day. Investment advisor representatives offering securities and advisory services offered through Satera Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, a broker dealer, and a registered investment advisor. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. This content has been produced for informational purposes only, and as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. It should only be heard privately by one person at a time and should not be used in public without the written permission of Eric W. Johnston, CFP of InFocus Financial Advisors, Incorporated. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situations, or needs of any particular receiver. 
The results of any research referenced in our presentations are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of the presenter. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of the presenter, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. Material presented is considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness of the information can be made, especially third-party material. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. Copyright 2018 and Focus Financial Advisors Incorporated.